Emily Elizabeth, and I'm the host of the What Fulfills You podcast, a show for and about individuals always seeking to be their best selves. On this show, we talk all about building the mindset, finding the right careers, creating meaningful relationships, and so much more. Welcome to the What Fulfills You podcast. Welcome back to the What Fulfills You podcast. My name is Emily Elizabeth. I'm your host. And on the show, it is my role to have conversations with interesting and like-minded individuals on various topics from your career, relationships, navigating the dating world, having the right mindset, different approaches to mental and physical health, and so much more. So today's episode is with a wonderful guest. Her name is Kristen Lee, and she's truly the definition of a badass woman who has climbed the ladder over the years and ultimately created and paved her own path. And I've mentioned this before, but I always really enjoy chatting with people, especially women, who are roughly 10 to 15 years older than I am because They are close enough to understand what's going on in today's world and have been through parts of the transition with technology, but they've also spent a lot of years in, I guess what you could say, like the old days of the full grind, no remote work, and most of what I think is just a lot harder than today. And so I always love to gain insight from them on how you merge the two together from today's technology, the way we navigate work, but also still having the grit and persistence to put in a certain amount of hours and dedication in order to get the results you want. So a little bit more about Kristen. She is a self-made financial and business expert who is best known for wrangling the financials of celebrities, musicians, and athletes alike and is the person A-listers come to for real-life intervention, guidance, and support. Kristen is not your typical business manager as she's a young female professional who prefers leather jackets and tattoos instead of suits and ties. However, it's her genuine authenticity and unapologetic attitude that has made her relatable to her clients and a household name in the business and finance world. Kristen has been hustling in the entertainment industry since she was 16 years old when she started taking photos for bands at concerts. She then moved on to being an artist manager for several years and then worked at a record label. She always loved accounting and entertainment, so business management encompassed both her passions. She worked at several prestigious firms before starting her own company. As her roster grew, she knew she wanted to move up the ranks. Unfortunately, at a lot of the bigger firms, upward mobility is scarce. Being a young professional female, she quickly realized she wasn't going to get a seat at the table, so she built her own. (laughs) Today, she's a business manager to some of the biggest household names in the entertainment industry and has offices located in LA, Seattle, and Nashville that is supported by an all-female staff. So anyways, this is a great conversation to listen to, especially if you are a freelancer, business owner, or more or less you work on a project-based method where you might get paid in like a lump sum. So like models are also, or just artists in general are very much in this category. But we touch on a lot of different topics as I always try to do, especially in 
the career building and the mindset around it. And I think for those of you who are like me and you're just always curious to learn more about different fields and how different worlds work, then this is a really great episode to tune into. So with that being said, we shall get into it. Well, hi, Kristen. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to chat because I, my audience is primarily young women in their 20s, and I know you have a good finance background, so to speak, or at least in that realm where I do personally believe that a lot of young women could use some advice and insight on. So thank you for joining me. Just start with some context. Can you give a little bit about your background, how you got into the industry, and really just the journey to where you are today? Yeah. Yeah. Um... Hello to all the ladies. I was once a lady in my twenties too. Uh, (laughs) um, Yeah, background, you know, when I was in my late teens and early twenties, I started kind of fiddling around in the music industry and did some various jobs there. I played in bands, I toured, um, you know, with my own projects and, um, you know, with friends and stuff. And then I kind of started to take that a little bit more seriously as I got older. And then I just, I switched over into the business side at, at some point, you know, in my early twenties. And um, yeah, I just, I went back to school for accounting and kind of found myself kind of floating around trying to figure out where I fit in. Uh, and then I met this headhunter who, you know, she kind of told me that there were, uh, you know, needs in different firms that did business management, which was essentially, you know, accounting um, on a very grand scale for people in the entertainment industry. So I started my first job doing that uh, about 15 years ago, and I've been doing it ever since. If tomorrow was your last day, would you feel as though you have maximized your potential? How would you describe your perfect day with no limitations? How can you work towards achieving something as close to this, if not exactly that? And what is your dream life? Where is it? Who's there with you? And what does your Saturday look like versus a Monday? These are some of my favorite questions from the What Fulfills You card game. And I created this card game with the intention to help you on your journey of personal growth as actually all of these questions in this card game are questions that helped me in my own personal growth journey in my 20s. But even more than that, these questions help cultivate more purposeful and meaningful conversations, whether it's with your colleagues, your close friends, or date night. I love to play this on a night in with a few glasses of wine, or now that it is spring and summer season, I think it's just so fun to bring this with you when you're hanging out at the park, especially for my fellow New Yorkers who like to hang out in Central Park, have a cheese board, and just have some deep conversations. You can shop the card game online at whatfulfillsyou.com and since you are a listener of the show, you can get 10% off your purchase with the code whatfulfillsyou10 at checkout. That's whatfulfillsyou10 at checkout at whatfulfillsyou.com. Enjoy. I I love how you describe that journey too because I think especially for an industry like accounting, 
um, most people tend to think, you know, it's they, they think of the traditional route, right? Oh, you go, you know, you work at a firm, and you know, depending on your skill set, some people go into doing taxes and and all of that fun stuff and everything that a lot of my girlfriends would be like, get me out of there. I'm not- <laughs> Um, and, and so that makes me really curious how, uh, you know, of course you had the opportunity come up, but how did you start to transition into, you know, maybe going from like a traditional format of a firm to going into specializing in this niche and, and really understanding, oh, wow, I, I see a gap in the market and this is something I want to specialize on. And of course, we'll dive into how you ended up starting your own business, but can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, you know, I I did start in traditional public accounting and worked at a firm. Mm-hmm. I started there when I was still finishing my accounting degree, and and um, I was really good at it. Uh, I just found yeah. it boring. <laughs> so, you know, it, it just the clientele wasn't really doing anything for me, and I felt like okay, I can do this, but what am I really doing? Uh, it, it was just lacking some sort of you know, passion and motivation, um, for the, you know, the, the businesses that I was working on. And, you know, when I met the woman who placed me at my first business management job, I went to her house and in Beverly Hills and we had coffee and we talked for a really long time. And she's just started asking me a lot of questions about my background and things that I was passionate about. And then we just talked for a really long time. And she, she ended the conversation with, you know, I know exactly where you belong. And, she set me up with three mm-hmm. different interviews at business management firms in Los Angeles. And um, the one that I ended up taking was the first firm I worked at for several years where I kind of really started to learn the ropes under a couple of great bosses uh, there. And um, yeah, I just remember walking in that first day and you know digging into the work and just seeing the environment and realizing, okay, yeah, this is it. I finally found my place. How did you or even that advisor how did you guys realize like that was a good industry for you to go in and what were some of the major differences you noticed as well because you mentioned that more or less you felt unfulfilled from the clientele in in the initial firms you worked at what was the major difference what was like that aha moment because i'm assuming you're you're kind of doing essentially on the base level, you're doing similar work, uh, so to speak, right? Mm-hmm. But what yeah. was that aha moment? Like, oh, this, I, I feel this alignment in doing, transitioning my work into this field. Yeah, you know, it was kind of like meshing these two um, big parts of my life into one thing, um, mm-hmm. which is overwhelmingly wonderful. Um, and I wish that for everyone to find like such joy mm-hmm. in their work, but yeah, I, I, you know, I can be good at something, but that doesn't mean it's fulfilling. It doesn't mean, you know, I'm, I'm loving going to work every day and doing the job. Uh, I just, I wanted so much more than that. And um, yeah, you know, she, she could tell in my conversations, you know, the things that got me excited were, you know, mm. tours and, and music, live mm. music and, and the way a show all comes together and, uh, you know, all the stuff that goes on in the background that people don't really think about in order to make these 
you know, big arena shows or these movies or, you know, there there's hundreds of people running around crazy in the in the background doing all kinds of different jobs and um, and I just, I'm really fascinated by it. And then as I started to dig into the business management world, I started crossing paths with people that I knew from the music industry and from mm. my upbringing in, in music and touring, I started to kind of run into people again. So that was really exciting too, because then, you know, there were new opportunities there of, oh, you're doing this now, great, you know, and, and call mm. each other and see if there's stuff that we can collaborate on. And uh, yeah, it's just, that's fun. It's exciting. It's fast paced. It's uh, unpredictable, but mm-hmm. for a dull moment. <laughs> you kind of mentioned there that along the way you were running into people that you had known from your you know, previous background in music and, and all of that. I, I feel like a lot of mm-hmm. young adults, especially as, as they are developing their professional career, they're wondering how do I build that network, which is kind of what I was drawing from that is like you started to expand and recognize like, oh, there are opportunities to, you know, grow my business, grow my clientele, even though you it wasn't your company yet, but you were recognizing these key moments. What is a tip you would have for those that don't know how to, whether it's like taking initiative or being able to figure out, oh, this is a great way to put myself in that opportunity. And sometimes it's not necessarily like it's a paid opportunity at first yet either. Sometimes, like you said, it's collaborating. Do you have any advice about that? Yeah, you know, there's a really fine line between putting yourself out there and and taking on passion projects or something to kind of capitalize on an opportunity without being taken advantage of. You know, so right. you have to have boundary setting going on there so that, you know, mm-hmm. um, that this is working towards something, you know, or, or define clear goals so that, you know, you're going to get what you need uh, out of this collaboration. Um, yeah, that's I, and that comes with a lot of communication uh, and, you know, the entertainment industry, it is it, it's largely hinged on networking and who, you know, and relationships, <laughs> you know, they say that it's all about who, you know, and not entirely wrong. Um, but I will yeah. say for me, it's really, really important that my work speaks for itself. Um, and yeah. that the work that my firm does speaks for itself. Um, our relationships are strong, but I think, uh, a huge part of it is because of the work that we do. And because mm. of our reliability and, and so then, you know, those people that generally, generally rely on us, you know, for work are more likely to refer us out to their colleagues, therefore increasing mm-hmm. our network. Um, I don't think the networking is really a standalone. You really do have to show up and, and put in the work. So you're saying, in other words, that people really have to have both, right? They have to actually show that strong skill set and not just, I mean, I think what I see today as well, unfortunately, is sometimes people think that it's one or the other. Maybe it's like, oh, if they, they work really hard and do their due diligence, they'll be able to move up the ranks or whatever, so to speak, and and vice versa. You know, I lived in LA for a good chunk of my time. I live in New York now, but I, I've been in that world where I remember, you know, it's, it's a lot, it is a lot about who you know and the relationships you build over time. And um, yeah. that also, I think it, you can't rely on just that either, right? 
yeah, it really is a combined effort. You know, I feel like you gotta, you gotta walk the walk and talk the talk. Um, and people that are most successful are really savvy with their, Mm -hmm. uh, interpersonal relationships. And they're also extremely hard workers. I mean, some of the people that I work with in this business are maniacs the way they work and I'm trying to find more balance myself. Um, <laughs> these days, yeah. You know, I did spend pretty much all of my twenties and early thirties just working and relentlessly and, you know, to the point of it damaging friendships and relationships and things, because it was just my top priority and that was not really okay with everyone around me, you know? Yeah. Could you actually dive into that? That is also something it's, it's a t- common topic nowadays of figuring out the quote unquote balance, but also, um, you know, I have a strong understanding of previous generations where they, what they say today is, oh, your generation thinks that they don't have to work as hard and then things come quicker. And so I do think that there is that, that balance of still putting in exceptional effort in everything you do and, and putting in the, the hours. And yes, sometimes that does mean you might have to sacrifice not going out on a certain night or a certain day or brunching with friends the next day, things like that. And I think, um, we, again, I can speak for my generation. I I do see that there needs to be that reminder sometimes of like, not, it's not overnight type of thing. Um, but also how, again, I guess maybe as a reflection, looking back, what would you say would be an ideal approach to prioritizing your career, prioritizing work so that you can effectively build that foundation in your twenties, but also maybe what could have been done differently to maybe make proper time for friends, cultivating certain relationships, yeah, you know, personal relationships are just as important. You know, they they keep you sane and, and balanced and healthy and in your mind. You know, people do need that. We need community uh, that's not just business based. You know, you need you need that kind of home down love. You know, <laughs> like, um, but um, you know, for me, it's been realizing okay, if I get these key things done and set everyone up and you know let my clients my colleagues know my staff like you know what my availability is when i'm going to be out and and then just making the time like i just used to never make the time to take breaks i just i was too too afraid to do it and you know i'm i've gone through a lot of coaching and stuff and I remember talking with my coach before and, and she said, well, what, what would happen if you just made the time? And what if you start small like, uh, one day, like, is the whole business going to crumble and fall apart if you take one day to yourself? And I was like, well, probably not. <laughs> so, yeah. so I gave it a shot and you know, what? it turned out that everything was fine. <laughs> Nothing melted down. And so I've gotten a little bit better about taking breaks, but I think I'm more prone um, you know, for me, uh, just out of personal comfort uh, as a business owner, just doing small bits here and there. So maybe a long weekend or, you know, a day or two here and or a half day here or a work from home day, you know, so I can try and fit some of that life stuff in without feeling like I'm too far away or detached from work for too long. <laughs> so yeah, I think there's it's not a one size fits all. There's probably a strategy for everybody out there. Right. 
What about when you were working for other firms? Um, looking back, you, it sounded like you definitely put, you dedicated a lot of time to getting your career established. Um, is that something you would advise for those that do want to really put their career first is that they have to acknowledge to themselves that, you know, in this chap- current chapter of life, that this may be something that they have to put more energy in and, you know, maybe put other things on the back burner. Because I think, again, I love that reminder. I, I kind of always have to check myself sometimes too. It's like, hey, you know, uh, sometimes you have to think long-term. It's like you, you put in that extra effort now in your 20 some years and then in your, your late 20s and 30s, like after you put in those hours, and I was a former athlete, so I always parlay that, you know, relate that as well. But um, you have to put, you have to sacrifice some things, right? It's not, you know, but do you, can you touch on that? Because I, I, to me, it sounds like that's a big part of what you did and a big part of what you focused on. You know, I, you said it, it's sacrificed. I mean, nothing nothing great comes without some form of sacrifice, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's time or relationships or, or money or sleep or whatever. Um, and it's finding, again, trying to find a balance or a, a limit to that sacrifice that works for you. But it also depends on what your goals are, you know, because right. some things just have a, a clear path that you have to go down. I'm sure being an athlete, you had very clear regimented schedule and path Mm -hmm. that you had to go down to get to a certain level. And it's not, you know, any different really depending on where you want to be, whether it's you want to climb up the ladder at a big business or you want to strike out and start your own. uh, It all comes with really hard work, hard decision-making, a lot of sacrifice there. And, you know, I, I tell people a lot because you get these young artists that are all excited and they have, you know, a little, maybe a little taste of some kind of upward trajectory and they start to think, (laughs) oh, I'm going to blow and like my whole world's going to change and try to temper that by reminding them that um, a lot of overnight successes in the entertainment industry are actually people who have been working maybe half their life or, you know, years um, in the background, then you'd never heard of them before, but they didn't just appear out of nowhere and get this way, you know, in a, a few months time, they had been, you know, grinding, they had been practicing, they had been refining their craft, they probably got told no a bunch of times and then recalibrated everything and started over. Um, mm-hmm. It's, there's a lot of that that goes on before people really get the break. Um, but then theoretically you're really ready for that break and then it is your time, you know, to shine and you can really harness that momentum and, and go for it. And you're more prepared. Um, mm-hmm. cause I like to say that, you know, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. <laughs> mm. I like that. <laughs> and, and I it was laughing too, when you said that, you know, and, and I'm, I'm sure I, I definitely had some friends in the entertainment industry where it's, uh, you get that eagerness, like, oh, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna be my time. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, but but it takes time. And, and I think something that I, I was really excited to uh, get your insight on is, because you work with a lot with celebrities and those just in the entertainment industry as a whole. And I'm sure there's a parallel in terms of how people 
handle their financials, you know, and, and, and also just some advice that can also be applied to everyday people. So what would you say are common misconceptions of how celebrities or people that appear to be having it all, um, but they actually may have similar problems or habits as everyday people? Well, they do because they're people too. They totally right. do. Um, you know, as human beings, we're really not all that different from one another. Mm-hmm. Um, I think sometimes the numbers become arbitrary because, yeah, there might be extra zeros on this paycheck in comparison to other ones. But, you know, it's um, on a scalable sense, a lot of times that money can come in and go out just as fast as everyone else. And, you know, some people, just like anyone in the world, some people are really good at their spending and saving habits and some people are just not. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of, uh, you know, a really personal thing. And it could come from a lot of reasons, you know, like how you were raised or Mm -hmm. just what you're into, the people you're surrounding yourself with, um, what your goals are and how dedicated you are to those. Um, Financial goals are like anything else. They require, you know, dedication, (laughs) sacrifice. You know, okay, maybe I can't have this, but the future reward, you know, is this. So, uh, it's, yeah, it's not any different really. Um, it's just, yeah, I think a lot of our client, well, pretty much all of our clients, they don't really have a consistent job. Most of them are self-employed. They run their own businesses. Um, they're kind of the CEO, uh, in the face of their own brands. So you know, they've, mm-hmm. they've got a lot of different hats to wear often, especially now you're mm-hmm. seeing clients that are doing multiple things or they're performers. They've, got clothing lines they're doing collabs and all kinds of different stuff and they're making shoes and we're just saying people do all kinds of stuff um these days especially after the pandemic we saw a lot of people just really branching out diversifying um the ways that they brought um Mm -hmm. um, so that comes with a level of inconsistency also you know i'm a big fan of trying to find ways to create passive income for our clients Mm -hmm. Uh, and that, you know, became kind of crucial to a lot of people's survival over the pandemic. Uh, but you know, they're not getting a paycheck every other Friday. It's, you know, usually kind of a big project payday or a tour or a record advance or something, or, you know, work on a film for a few months and then it could be quiet for a while you got to really stretch that money out until the next opportunity comes around. Uh, So yeah, it it takes a lot of diligence there. For those, because I find that it's very similar for freelancers or people who work on like a project base. What are common mistakes you see these type of people make? And what would you advise um, in terms of like, for example, let's say someone is a recent freelancer or someone again, who works on a project base, and they do get that big payday, but then for a couple of months, it's silent. Um, Is there a strategy that you usually advise to these type of clients or just something that you advise in general for those who don't know how to manage their money strategically? Mm-hmm. I think a, a really good goal for a freelancer to have is to always keep like six to 12 months of um, like cash flow in your bank account, you know? So you know, even if that comes by starting to save a little bit here and there, 
uh, as projects come in and, and building that little egg, it might not be something that happens overnight, or maybe you just get one big project, mm-hmm. like sock some of that away and keep that, you know, for, for a rainy day or for when, you know, your next project may take longer, get delayed or, you know, God forbid, get canceled altogether. Mm-hmm. Cause you never know. Um, and then also to set aside money for taxes uh, and just kind of overhead stuff. You know, we like to set aside at least like 20 to 30% um, from projects over for our clients for taxes and, and operating expenses. Just so there's always something there. You know, we pay our clients taxes in quarterly and hopefully right. all you freelancers out there are doing that too. <laughs> um, at the end of the year. Um, but, you know, it's, it's so much easier to do that and have that peace of mind and so much less stress if you just have it and it's there like, okay, well this changed or this didn't pan out, but you know, I've got this on the side, so it'll be okay. It Mm -hmm. just will make your life more peaceful. (laughs) Yeah. You mentioned, um, taxes as well, which I know is a favorite topic for everyone. (laughs) Um, but especially for you, you yeah, I agree definitely in, in terms of like knowing how to do it quarterly and setting aside a certain amount, but is there any other tips you would have for those who are, you know, in that position where they have to do their own taxes, they're not a W-2 and and they are kind of, um, you know, still in the early days too, where they can't really hire a CPA or accountant to help them manage um, their taxes. Do you have any maybe like software you recommend or just in general, some basic things when, for small business owners when they're starting out? Yeah, you know, there are a lot of really good programs out there now Mm -hmm. um, and apps and things that you can do from your phone. Um, I really like to recommend Xero, X-E-R-O. I'm not sponsored by them. I don't know why they should probably call me, but (laughs) I dropped it. It's super user-friendly. You can connect Mm -hmm. your bank accounts to it, your credit cards, and all these transactions populate in pretty much overnight. And then you just go categorize them as to what they are, like meals, travel, et cetera. And pretty much keeps track of all your income and your expense. So then at the end of the year or quarterly, when you're trying to figure out tax stuff, everything is, you know, a lot more organized and you're not sitting there totaling up receipts for days on end. Um, But there are other apps where you can just take pictures of a receipt and categorize it right there on your phone and it'll start to tally everything up. QuickBooks has an online version. Um, If you like Excel, great. There's lots of templates out there for that. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's really just being organized, you know, and if you're a freelancer and just a sole proprietor, like mm-hmm. have a big account that's dedicated to your business stuff and one that's your personal stuff and keep them totally separate, you know, whatever you mm-hmm. can do to just keep those things straight um, and just, you know, stay organized. It's, it's just super important. And then as your business grows, then you can delegate that all to somebody else. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) And I remember those days too, in my early days when I was starting out and when I left my corporate job and, you know, I know it's a, it's a common struggle. I mean, you know, that most people just don't really know how to get help or, or just where to go because you're really on your own. It feels like you, you, you left this big ship and now you're on your own little boat and it's like, wait, what the frick do I do now? (laughs) No. And you really got to rely on yourself, but I I think it is really, really, really important as a business owner, you know, freelancer that you understand where your 
money is coming in and where it's going out and you have a, a grip on it and make sure that that's aligning and feeling good with, you know, how you want your finances of your business to look. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I feel like it's really common for people to be spending more in certain areas than they think they are. Mm-hmm. And when you show them the numbers, they're like, Oh, whoa, the hell's going on here. <laughs> you know, and then you got to decide if you want to keep doing that. So, um, yeah, I would, I just really, really recommend people kind of, you know, taking control of that and, or at least, you know, poking in if you decide to hire somebody else to do some bookkeeping, at least kind of doing a regular check-in and, and just learning the basics and have a, you know, a slight understanding of that stuff. Yeah. Is there, so as a business manager, do you typically, you know, if, if, if you're monitoring um, or yeah, some, some certain clients like spending and, and that you know that they have to be disciplined in this area, do you, in that position, are you typically like saying, Hey, you know, you got to watch that. Like, what is that life? Like, you know, managing clients in the entertainment industry. Yeah. Luckily for me, most of our clients actually want that kind of advice. They, they that help. Um, (laughs) updates, um, we'll totally point out to them where things are going awry. Um, you know, if clients get into a situation where, where cash flow gets tight before, you know, a new project or a new tour starts, or sometimes just starting up a new project or a tour, you know, you're spending so much on the front end of these things that like the cash can get really tight before the shows start playing out, money starts coming in. So Mm. sometimes game of being like, okay, here's what we have to work with. And here's what we need to deal with. Like, how are we going to do it? What's more important, you know, but I try to include the team in those decisions and keep people really informed, really educated and, um, you know, give them the tools and the information to make good decisions for the business. Um, and I try not to do it for them, you know, mm-hmm. uh, if they want my opinion, happy to give it. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And some of them do. Some of them are like, I don't know what to do. What do you think? And so, you know, I'll say I would do A, B, C, D, you know, uh-huh. and, and go. For it. But I think, you know, um, I think just having an, an education uh, on everything and, and a general understanding, it's it's not my business and it's not my money. I'm just really here to help. So right. I want to I help in whatever way will work best for our clients. I feel like this is something a lot of people would be curious about as well, but because most, you know, artists in general, they're getting various different paydays. Do you typically set them up where they, they do like a draw or like, um, you know, let's say that you set them up as like a corporation and they pay themselves out of that. Just, just to kind of give like, you know, that curious insight for those who are wondering, well, how do they pay themselves then on a consistent basis? Like what do they take out from after all the spending on the wardrobe, the tour and, and all of that stuff? Like how do these people get paid at the end of the day? As most of you have probably heard for a while now, I've been consistently drinking Magic Mind because not only does it taste so good, especially if you love a hint of matcha flavor, but this stuff helps me get into my flow state and I always feel a stronger sense of focus, which makes sense since it is a productivity drink. While I love coffee and I do make it every morning, when it comes to preparing for my workflow or wanting something to sip on before I get into my work, 
I always choose Magic Mind because, like I said, it helps me get into my flow state and it makes me feel more focused and productive. The best part is that it is all natural and I'm going to share with you a few key facts and ingredients. Number one, it is known to increase and improve productivity. It has very little caffeine and it only comes from matcha tea. It's a great alternative for coffee if you drink coffee for energy and focus. For me, like I said, I drink it more for just the pleasure of making coffee. So this one is definitely a better alternative if you prefer more of an energy-focused drink. It helps fight off fatigue and brain fog as well as some ADD symptoms. And lastly, it is all natural ingredients including adaptogens, matcha, and nootropics. If you've been considering it for a while, I highly, highly recommend you give this a try. I drink this every single day, no joke, and it comes in a box of 15 and I like it so much sometimes I drink two in a day, but disclaimer, it is not recommended. They do recommend one, but I just truly love it so much. And even better, you can enjoy 20% off your purchase with the code FULFILL at magicmind.co slash fulfill during checkout. That's fulfill, F-U-L-F-I-L-L at magicmind.co slash fulfill. Yeah, you know, the IRS does expect business owners to have a reasonable salary out of their business. We try and um, find that number um, based on financials and needs and things like that. Um, but yeah, a lot of our clients are on just kind of a monthly draw. And uh, a lot of times we walk into that backwards based on, you know, what their kind of monthly personal spend and overhead is, you know, it's like mortgages, rents, cars, whatever. And then, and then go from there. Um, and usually try to do a little bit extra and socks on the side and, um, you know, we do a lot of, uh, like tax-based kind of financial planning with other investment guys that we work with, um, and basically kind of figure at the end of the year, you know, after we pay taxes on all this and, and all the expenses are paid out, we kind of have this lump sum to deal with. So what are some things that we can do with this money to kind of invest in our clients? Sure. Um, not, we don't always want to lock it all away into some IRA that they can't touch until they're older, but there might be different tiers of where we put that cash. Like, okay, maybe we won't need it for six to 12 months. So you can put it in something that will facil- facilitate a bit of a return, but uh, you know, they can, they can access it if they really need it. Um, and then if we know that we really won't need that cash, then put it in something a little bit longer term, but you know, it's just, it all, it all happens on like a monthly, quarterly and annual basis. And we just have to reassess it constantly. It's funny when I think of it too, I actually, my, my corporate job was, I worked in sales at ADP. So you might be familiar Mm -hmm. with (laughs) ADP depends on your experience with either love them or you hate them. Um, but yeah, it's, it's funny. I remember when I, when I dealt with people, you know, who had those S corps or whatever, you know, December rolls around and they're like, Hey, I need to pay, you know, my client needs, uh, you know, be paid 70,000, like by this day, I'm like, yeah, so, okay. We're going to set you up here. So we get really crazy in December. (laughs) Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. Well, I want to shift gears into just more about your business as you started KLBM. Can you share, how did you start to pitch to prospect clients? Was that 
a scary transition going from working for another firm to being like, you know what, I'm doing the damn thing. I'm starting this. <laughs> Luckily for me, I was the last firm that I was at and the partners that I worked for uh, kind of allowed me to build my own roster with them. So I had clients that I worked on that were part of the firm. And then, uh, you know, I was bringing in my own clients as well. So when I made that jump, uh, I already had a, you know, a book of business. I wasn't just jumping into, you know, the ether really. Uh, and when I told my clients that I was leaving, they, you know, most people are like, Hey, uh, you're taking me with you. Right. <laughs> um, and so that worked out really well. And then, you know, I, of course, let everybody know that that's what I was doing. And uh, thank goodness there are a lot of people out there that believed in me and wanted to give me more business. And that's really continued on over the last, uh, we're actually coming up on eight years now this year, next month. So Wow. And I like that you mentioned too, that, you know, you weren't just jumping into the ether, right? You actually had a sense of strategy behind that. Is that something you definitely advise for those who ever want to leave a corporate type of position to going off on their own is, you know, is it like having a certain amount, like maybe, you know, if you're having your own business, have your book of business be at least worth your salary. Is there something um, you you could advise on that? Yeah. You know, I, I, did my savings and I basically um, put enough money aside. So if I kind of had no work for a whole year, I could live bare bones. I, I could survive. Um, and luckily that didn't happen. So I was fine. But, you know, I would say definitely have a safety net, you know, because he's mm. kind of going out into really going out on your own. And, mm-hmm. you know, not everything is super reliable, you know, um, so I would just be really prepared to take care of yourself, uh, make sure that you are, you know, in a place where your basic needs are met. Because if you're stressing mm-hmm. out about how to pay your rent and how to eat and things like that, and you're just starting a business, you will have plenty of stress without that. So just make sure that you're in a place where you're well taken care of and you don't have to worry about those things. So you can really focus on what's important because starting a business is really hard. You will learn a lot. (laughs) (laughs) What was the process like as you were growing your roster and then hiring? So the first year, were you just working completely on your own? What was that moment of, okay, I need to hire an an employee and my first full-time employee? What was that? And how old were you when you, so eight years ago? So like, when did you start this whole journey? Yeah, I I was uh, 30, 30, going on 31. Okay. And I definitely worked out of my living room for a while. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I hired my first assistant who also worked out of my living room with me and my tiny living room in Los Angeles. And, you know, we just worked our little butts off. And um, then I moved into, you know, a kind of co-working office space uh, after a while and ha- hired another person and then another person. And as that started to grow, kind of like, okay, <laughs> got to get a real office. Um, oh, but those things, you feel them as they're happening, right? It's like you feel Mm -hmm. the growth and you kind of feel when you've really matched something out. But, you know, I always try to operate and keeping my costs down as much as possible, but also taking 
calculated risks that allow us to grow further because you know it's kind of this thing where you don't want to overspend but there's also a bit of like build it and they will come and mm -hmm. and it's really important for me to have you know enough and enough good quality staff to be able to bring in these new clients as they come in you know it's like I don't want to take a client meeting and they're like, oh, you want to bring on new clients? And then I don't know how we can service them because we're not prepared for that. So, you know, yeah, you got to kind of do the dance, but I think we've gotten pretty good at it. Um, I have uh, a great team behind me. My operations manager is um, extremely helpful in this stuff and decision-making of, you know, who we hire and, and what clients we bring in and mm -hmm. uh, have those talks on a very regular basis of, you know, does this make sense for us? Does this feel like a fit, you know, is in, uh, it's nice to not have to feel like I'm on my own making those decisions now. Mm -hmm. Was it difficult to finally, like that first time where you're like, oh, I have to let go of some of the control and, you know, shift it for you know and trust someone else what was that process like in being like you know what in order for my business to grow and scale I can't be controlling and micromanaging every single aspect of the business so what was that and you know and I'm sure you have a huge team now so so how did that go over the years uh delegating is really hard if you haven't done it before uh, I did have assistance <laughs> at my jobs that I had at firms before. So I at least had experience having people under me that I managed. Um, but managing people is really hard. Um, it's different when you hire them yourself as opposed to working for someone else who's like, this is your new assistant. And you just kind of have to take them. Uh, so I feel like we were better now as a team, like curating our staff as a team. And mm -hmm. I'm really confident in delegating to the people that I've hired because I won't hire anyone that I don't think can do the job. But, you know, there's also uh, a sense of knowing that they're not me. And so they might not do things the way that I would exactly. Uh, they might even make mistakes, but they do uh, deserve a little bit of rope to kind of learn those things. Sometimes the hard way is totally fine. Um, I like to stay involved so I can like yank them back out if they fall in the deep end. Okay, let me step in and help you here. But for the most part, it's pretty much okay. And I, I think the main thing for me was really not trying to micromanage how people get the job done. As long as it's getting done and right and, and my clients are happy and, and everything's working. Uh, I don't need to necessarily micromanage how they're doing it. Um, I think that was kind of my biggest uh, learning curve there uh, because I'm just such a regimented person and I have processes of things that I've been doing repeatedly for, you know, 15 years. So I, I'm stuck in my ways in some ways and not everybody else is going to do it quite like that, you know, so it's being a little bit malleable on, on that end. It's really important. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's crazy because I think that's a big jump that a lot of people don't realize that is more difficult, like, you know, easier said than done when, you know, you're delegating and you're hiring. Um, and, and I think that most also don't realize like, oh, wow, this, th this is like, this is how you grow, you know? 
And, and, and this is how you scale. Was it kind of like a numbers point where you're like, oh, this is the moment that I can afford to hire or was it more of a gut feeling? It's both. Yeah. It's a, yeah. a feeling, the need, the pressure for it. Um, but also yeah. assessing, you know, the financial ability to do it. You know, we were always looking at, you know, our cash flow and things like that and making sure that our next move makes sense, whether that's what we're bringing mm-hmm. in or, or putting out, you know, um, it's like, do cause every time we hire people, then, you know, we've got salary, we have equipment, we have insurance, all these things. So yeah. every person is a big old lump of costs. Um, mm-hmm. and usually when we're hiring somebody, it's because we've brought in new clients and, you know, the work, um, the workloads requiring that we do that. So it does tend to balance itself out, but um, yeah, you gotta be really mindful of it. You know, it's, we're not operating like a startup that has like investment capital. We're just gonna like hire a whole right. team and just go on all cylinders. We're, this business has been grown organically over a number of years. So it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of a different, a different uh, trajectory there. Uh, and I've tried to keep it tempered and, and sensible and, and not get too far ahead of myself, but you know, I have some lofty goals. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's amazing. And I think that's very inspirational to those out there. You know, it's, it shows like, you know, when you, when you talk about having done that over 15 years, it it really shows that it is not an overnight thing. Right. And, and I (laughs) think, We, we see the success today and we see like, oh my God, I want to be there, but we forget. And that's why I like to dive into these backstories because it shows you there is so much that goes into it over the years. And, and I like to remind people of that, you know? Yeah. It's been a long, <laughs> long history of learning. Keep on learning. Yeah. Final few questions here, more on the personal side. What is one thing, a a big lesson that you look back on that you would like to share with young women in their 20s right now, whether it's in their career or relationships, it really can be in any area of life. It's something that really sticks with you that that you wish you knew when you were in your 20s. Mm, uh Uh-huh, definitely. Um, You know, really learn what your boundaries are. And, Mm. and, you know, when to say no or cut a tie or, you know, stop doing something that's not aligned with where you want to go or who you want to be. You know, your twenties are hard, you know, we're all starting our careers, getting out of college, probably living paycheck to paycheck and, and, you know, busting your ass and it feels kind of never ending and like, Mm. gosh, am I ever going to get ahead of this? But, you know, I, I really do believe in, in focus and hard work, um, having major, major payoffs if, if you, you know, stay down that path. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I would say almost any time in my life that I wanted to, you know, end a relationship, business, personal friends, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, I feel like my one thing that is a very common thread was like, damn, I wish I did this sooner. <laughs> You know, uh, I think, I think I like, you know, did some time wasting in my twenties and you don't get that time back. So, you know, I'm much better about seeing the writing on the wall nowadays and, and kind of moving on from things or phasing them out if they don't seem to make sense for me anymore. Um, you know, but I had to learn that the hard way. 
For sure. So I agree with that tremendously. I I've learned that myself. So I think I tell everyone, you know, if it doesn't align, cut it off. <laughs> um, a book recommendation that was transformative for you, whether it's personally or professionally, anything that comes to mind. Ooh, I feel like I've had this question before. Um, Matthew McConaughey wrote his book Green Lights a couple of years ago. That was so fantastic and it's fun. Honestly, listen to it in the audible because he reads it and he's hilarious, but there's just really life lessons in there. Like seem so basic and simple, but man, they are, um, they are really something. Um, there's another book called the five second rule by Mel Robbins that I really liked. Um, I think for me, I've, you know, struggled uh, less so now, but before with like procrastination or setting things aside or getting distracted. And there's, you know, um, five second rule. If you check it out, it'll make sense. And then a third one is when I stop talking, you'll know I'm dead by Jerry Weintraub, who he was, you know, a famous booking agent back in the day and like worked with Elvis. And it's a really interesting story of his life, but, um, it, really, really exhibits how uh, relentless and uh, kind of gung-ho you have to be to get to those super high places. And um, uh, yeah, that was just a really inspiring book for me and, and reminded me that, yeah, just going, 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 it'll, it'll pay off in the long run. <laughs> Ooh, I definitely want to read, especially those last two, those sound like they're in alignment with me and something I need to hear. <laughs> Yeah, check them out. You won't be disappointed. Those were all really fun for me. Amazing. Okay. Well, one last question and something I ask every guest on the show, but after talking about everything, your career, your personal life, and just reflecting on it all, what would you say fulfills you in life? Really? It's what I do and, and seeing the work kind of come together. So, you know, I've gotten to go see tours kick off or sometimes end and and you see the show come together and you're like oh wow you know we we paid for all of this and we just we made this all happen you know and um I recently went to the Grammys with one of my clients and um so freaking proud of her I've worked with her for a while now and she's a really special person to me and her uh a lot of reasons but you know it being there with her in her, you know, nomination for such a prestigious award, um, it just felt, you know, like such an honor to, mm -hmm. to be with those people and know that, you know, you're a part of their team that helps facilitate them to get to these places and, um, stuff like that. Just, it keeps me going, you know, it's knowing that I'm helping to make people's dreams come true and, mm -hmm. and let them do what they love and you know just and also so that the rest of the world gets to experience these things that they create is really special yeah oh that's amazing and i, I really love that because my takeaway from that is you know you can find a lot of joy and fulfillment in what you do and who you're with in your everyday life, no matter if it's your work life or your personal life. But I think it's like that beauty of combining them together is when you really find fulfillment in like the way you impact people and the way you impact the world. So I really love that. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's a, it's a very charmed life. 
So amazing. Well, thank you again for chatting with me today. Where can everyone find you and just learn more about your business and what you're up to? Um, yeah, so I, I do the old Instagram thing. I'm Miss Kristen Lee. My firm is KLBM LLC. And yeah, we've got a website linked on there too. We do post news and things as they come up. Um, yeah, I'm trying to be more active in social media lately. I've been, I got really quiet uh, from it. <laughs> like after the pandemic, I kind of just started diving back into the real, real world and not sitting on my phone as much anymore. But <laughs> which is good. <laughs> it is good. But again, balance. I'm trying to get back out there and hang out with the people on the internet too. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. And I will link that in the show notes. So thank you again. I really appreciate it. And that was all for today's episode with Kristen Lee, a self-made financial and business expert who is best known for working with celebrities, musicians, and athletes, all those you can think of. For me personally, my biggest takeaway from Kristen is just the reality of how much work and dedication it takes to get to the top and to be at the level you want to be at. She mentioned it for herself in her own position, building her business and growing along the way and building a team, as well as the artists that she works with, right? She mentioned that their overnight success is actually more so of them grinding for maybe half of their life behind the scenes, or they were opening for the bigger artists back in the day and you didn't realize it. So I think that's a great message for everyone to take and understand that you might not be at your peak in the next two years, but you could be in the next five to eight years or 10 years. And it's a lot about the long-term game, which even myself included, I get impatient about sometimes. However, these conversations are great reminders as to why overnight success is not a thing. It's just how you show up every single day repeatedly and being consistent and understanding the direction you want to go in for your own life, and especially in this case, your career path. If you had a takeaway, please be sure to share this episode on your Instagram stories, tag the podcast Instagram at what fulfills you, and just let me know if you were tuning in because I always love to hear your guys' feedback. I love when you guys share, you know, you learned something specific from this episode or it was one of your favorites. Again, I always love feedback from this community. You guys are so supportive and honest, and I'm so appreciative of it. Thanks again for tuning in today. I will chat with you all in the next episode.